Hello and welcome to Perspective. This is a show by founders of small indie creative agencies giving our perspective on starting and running our own companies. The aim is to provide useful advice and inspiration to others, as well as learn from each other and others we get to come talk on the show. This is our 18th episode. My name is John Dark. I'm a director at Every Interaction. And joining me today, I have Pete Campbell from Kaizen Search, a digital marketing and SEO agency located here in London. Hello, Pete. Hello there, sir. How are you? I'm jolly good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Things, things are pretty good. Fantastic. So Kaizen, remind me again what it stands for. You told me a while ago, but I have forgotten. It's something Japanese. Sure. So Kaizen in Japanese literally means improvement, but it's better known for um, the manufacturing process by, I think, Toyota, where it's, they use the idea of continuous improvement. So if they have like a car on a, on a manufacturing line, uh, um, they'll stop it at each stage in the manufacturing process and see if they can make incremental improvements to that process. And that, I think, is a nice way that fits into to what we do, really. That's right. I remember. That's very clever. Yeah, I, I mean, you know what it is? I learned the word when I was 15 mm-hmm. when I was doing my business studies GCSEs at school. And then I completely forgot about it for about 10 years. And then it, I don't know why I was walking down Oxford Street when I was trying to think of an idea for the name of the business and it just came to mind. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, you know, my past self is cleverer than my current self sometimes. Nice. Well, I bet you absolutely own the SEO on that term. You know what? No, we we definitely don't. <laughs> <laughs> if you type it, it comes up with the definition first and um, and then like what it is. And then we're the first company, I guess. Of it, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, yeah, give us your sales pitch. Tell us uh, when you meet someone for the first time again, tell us what you tell them about what it is that Kaizen do. Okay, okay. So um, we're a specialist technical SEO and content marketing agency. So what that generically means is we help brands secure organic visibility across search and also um, online publications basically and we 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 do that by having a team of technical seo specialists so our team is comprised of coders creative people and also um, weird business people like me and we help a client not only find out all the things they can do to improve their website's performance but we're also hands-on and we can implement it as well and we have a full service creative offering so we can help them on the ux of a landing page right through to the HTML build of it and integrating it all for the purposes of improving their organic search, basically. Awesome. Everybody needs a bit of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now, Pete is our go-to person for SEO uh, on any web work that we undertake. I think we've been working for three or four years now. Well, we've been around two and a bit years, so yeah. So a little bit. I think think you've just got fond memories of me, but it's actually been uh, a shorter time. Oh, there you go. Time (laughs) does fly. Yeah. And um, yeah, when we first met, it was more or less just yourself, I think, running things over there. And yeah. and since then, we just had a little catch up before the show. And and you mentioned that you you're nine people full time now. As of today, as of today, yeah. Today, congratulations! That's fantastic. Thank you, sir. And that's what we'd like to talk about today: scaling an agency from one or two people up to that that first milestone of of having a small team. But before we do get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happened over the past couple of years? What was your journey from from starting on your own and, and then making those first couple of hires to, to getting to where you are today? Sure. So I guess the, the starting point is I'd always been a bit in, intoxicated by the idea of having my own business, I guess. And I think that that I had that idea when I was kind of 16, you know, I, I, or younger. Um, you know, I, I got my start in the world of online by 
when I was um, uh, 11, I, I we first bought our first computer at home and, you know, I went up to the local library and I got like a book on like HTML for dummies. And, and from that, like I learned how to build a couple of websites on platforms like GeoCities and Tripod, really kind of early days. So I used to, to go on websites that I liked, Simpsons websites at the time, I was only 11, in South Park. And I used to just do file and save as on their websites and try and edit the HTML and CSS code to turn it into my own website, basically. And I came a bit infatuated with um, online then. And, you know, I started making my own little websites about video games and, and TV shows I liked. And then when I was about uh, 15, I discovered you can make money off it, basically. So I found out that if you sign up with, like, Ash Jeeves, they'll send you 2P. They give you 2P for every time someone does a search on Ash Jeeves for your site. And I found out about things like Google AdWords, which let you monetize your site by having advertising on it. And I came kind of, I kind of, kind of started liking the idea of building these online communities. So I built one um, about a video game series I really liked. Um, and you know, we, we, I grew it with a team of volunteers to like fifty thousand visits a day. This is like in two thousand six. And wow. And and you know, I, I realized that I had a passion for. What I didn't realize at the time was marketing. I thought I really was fascinated by the idea of just pure design and the execution of it. But I realized actually what I was doing, just marketing. So it was a bit of SEO. It was a bit of social media. And it was a bit of online marketing. So I guess that then carried through to me into my job. I got my first job uh, as a web designer, as a front-end web developer for, for, for two and a bit years. And they were setting up their own um, online marketing team in SEO. And they asked, would I join that team? Because I knew I had some experience of, of doing it. So, you know, I helped join that team and that team grew to about 20 people. And then I, I spotted the opportunities down in London, basically. And I, and I, and I pivoted to work for a much, much bigger agency where, you know, I was going. So basically I went from doing SEO for small, medium sized businesses to much larger businesses and brands. And between the two, I kind of realized there's two different ends of the spectrum. When you work with small, medium businesses, you're very much the lead. And it's very hands-on. You know, they need you. You are their online marketing guy. You know, you're the one who's responsible for everything when it comes to online presence. So editing their site, getting their domain name working, publishing a blog post. Mm -hmm. So it taught me a lot about client management, taught me a lot about actual the performance of a website and how to, and how to actually be hands-on and improve the HTML and CSS. Talked about content and social media commercially. And then at the bigger end, you know, I, I learned with the bigger clients, I, I learned about doing that at, at scale. And, you know, I, I learned about how you need to build a business case for larger businesses to convince them to do certain things. It's very much about forecasting, very much about big step changes in businesses. And I kind of realized through doing that first job and that second one, there's this kind of big gap in the middle. So with smaller companies, it's very hands on. You're doing all the work yourself and not just advising it. Whereas larger agencies, when you make a suggestion like, hey, add a new page, there's 20 people that need to be involved in that decision. And I realized in the middle, there's not a, a kind of company that does a bit of both. So I had the idea to set up an SEO agency where we not only just give you we, you know, really, really good strategic advice, we actually have a full team that sits behind us of coders and designers who can go ahead and do it for you, basically, which doesn't, that kind of combination doesn't really exist much. So I basically, throughout the whole time of my second job, I was freelancing on the side so i you know i picked up a bit of money here and there and then i i um used that money i put up a part of ten thousand pounds and i i used that to quit my job and i made a deal with my girlfriend that if i don't start making some money after six months i can just go back and get another job and that was that was how i started smart yeah 
And yeah. I, I really like the model. It's uh, just allows you know something like a, a marketing company to execute on their plans without having to involve like uh, loads of other stakeholders and internal teams and, and just do things really quickly and also efficiently. Yeah, what's what's changed in the past few years, which has came to our benefit, is that um, when I was first working in the SEO was quite a new thing and digital marketing was quite a new thing. So companies are very reliant on agencies to to, to steer them. Whereas now it's um, you know digital marketing has matured. A lot of bigger brands are building their own in-house digital marketing teams and splitting it by disciplines. They might have an SEO person, a content person, and a UX person. But those people still need to scale up. You know, to do SEO properly on a big site, you need like two or three people. So, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we brand ourselves as like a band of contractors. You know, you can pick us and we're the, we're the specialists to help you scale up, you know. And we'll mm-hmm. just fit in. We'll fit in the gaps where, where you have gaps, basically. Good stuff. So, yeah, going back to the, the early days, mm-hmm. um, how did you go about sort of managing things when it was more or less just yourself uh, leading things? How, how did that work day to day? I mean, it was it was a bit overwhelming, but uh, um, I kind of we the way in which um, the business is set up is is largely we offer a retainer model. So clients pay us a, a monthly fee for our services, and then um, we also take on project based work. And my way in which we did that in my previous roles is that for every client, basically, you had a, a project plan. So at the start of each project, so the start of each quarter, we'll determine all the work we're going to do for the next twelve weeks. And mm-hmm. that allowed me to build a bit of a checklist for each client, I guess is the easy way to say it. And I used to just basically have an Excel sheet, which had all of my to-dos and what dates they needed to be done by. And that's how I first started managing things. So each client had a package of X number of deliverables per month. So it might be like, you're getting two blog posts and you're going to get three hours of technical SEO time and we're going to have a weekly call. And that allowed me to break things down quite easily so I could plan week to week the work that I'm, I need to do and figure out what time slots that I can kind of fit that in and and that helped me manage my time effectively so it felt like I was going into work each day well work I went from my bed to my desk a meter away um, <laughs> and I had a clear to-do list and then I guess it came to a point quite quickly after a month or two where I realized that I have a bit of a problem here you know I had this classic thing I didn't realize when I started a business that I have a limited amount of time to, to do things. So, mm. you know, so I ended up real, you know, realizing quite quickly, I only have, I only have 40 hours in the week. I then started looking at um, freelancers basically. So I looked at which processes within my business can be kind of automated or scaled easily. So which ones are repeatable. So mm-hmm. one thing we did for clients was write and publish blog posts. So I set up a system where I hired a freelancer to write the blog post for me. And then I hired a, um, like a, a a virtual assistant person who would take those blog posts and publish them on the client's sites for me. So I just had to take a stop check in those early kind of six months of looking at what things have I got that I can that are repetitive that I can pass on to someone else. Wow, yeah, it sounds like you did everything by the rule book. Everything you did everything right there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I mean there was there was you know I mean it all sounds good in hindsight now. I guess the, the problems I faced were it was mentally hard. You know I, I ran the business from my house so. From nine o'clock to five thirty, I'd be on my own all day, and you know I'd have no one to talk to. And then you know my girlfriend would come home, or I'd see a friend that evening. I'd be full of beans, excited at seeing another human. But <laughs> you know it drove me crazy. So it felt a bit like a factory sometimes. So those early days we were just very much like just trying to keep my head down and get through it with the hope or ambition that it it will become easier and better and start to feel like a pr- proper business. You know. 
Yeah, and that's where making those first hires comes in really handy, right? Because then it allows you to work on the business, not in the business. Yeah, and you know that that statement is is one that that, <laughs> that I read in every business book, you know, here of every <laughs> business mentor. But it's only something maybe in the past six months that has started to come a little bit true for me. You know, there's still a little grind work. There's a task we do with an SEO called the uh, page starters and meta descriptions, which you just edit the code on the site to just say the description you want it to be on Google. And I always tell mm-hmm. myself that my dream is to stop writing page starters and meta descriptions for clients and have someone do it for me, but I just can't seem to get out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, when did you make your first full-time hire then? Uh, so it was... I think six six months after I, I started. So, you know, I, I was doing, I had my little checklist that I was doing each day and the repeatable processes that I had, it kind of ran out. I kind of ran out of those and I realized that I need a bit of more creative help. So I thought about who I currently knew basically from my current jobs and past jobs and, and hired someone who I'd already worked with before basically. And they were looking for a, a second role and they very much came on as like an assistant. So they helped me just start to, you know, look after a couple of the smaller clients and also scale up some of the more administrative tasks that we did. Nice. And um, yeah, when, when did employee number two come along? Well, we had, we had a bit of, a, a, it's kind of difficult to answer that because for me, you know, when, when I was hiring people, I was very nervous about it because, you know, I was very worried about, you know, would, would I have the runway and money to make it happen? So, mm. you know, so... I actually went down the road of, of of hiring an apprentice first, which unfortunately didn't work out. Um, oh. It was it was more just my we're too small to, to to give someone a nice nurturing environment where they could benefit from it. Really, yeah, I can imagine that takes quite a lot of your time to to nurture them and, and train them properly. Yeah, it does, and it's it's something I think we could do better now as a bigger business, but. You know, I was naive as a business at the time, and obviously, I'm told by the the apprenticeship companies, "Oh, they'll be great. They'll get on fine. They work with two man businesses all the time." But actually, it was a little bit unfair on that person. So I kind of realised that. So, for, so I was thinking, "Oh, I need to save money. So what I'm going to do is hire interns. I'm going to hire apprenticeships because the tasks I have at the minute are administrative." And it took mm-hmm. me probably like six to nine months to realise that actually each hire I make needs to be someone who's going to help me grow the business um, in, in, in some way. It wasn't so, although I hired like an intern, I hired an apprentice, neither of those things worked out. So it was a good nine months after that um, until I hired that second person. And it had to get to a point where, you know, I, I was much better at defining the role for that person and what would they do and, and making sure they have some experience so that they are able to be independent or autonomous, but at the same time, happy to be managed and trained yes yeah yeah we, we've stayed quite clear of uh of uh interns and apprenticeships for for a while now we did we did take on some interns in the past we don't have a lot of administrative tasks that, are, that someone can really do yeah so it's all quite highly skilled labor and yeah as and everyone's so busy nobody really has any time to take someone under their wing and, and help give them the attention it needs to, to make it a worthwhile experience so until we've got a bit more flexibility we're we're sort of stepping back from that as well it, interesting it's, it's it's something that we've been exploring a bit more recently so you know we've kind of got to a point now where due to the amount of freelance work that we're doing it's it, and the contract lengths you have with our client i've kind of identified their areas of the business where we could actually save money by making those hires potentially in-house but i've been a bit nervous about whether that statement is true or not so so at the moment we've we've hired um, two people on on an internship basis. So it's a fully paid internship. It's all above board, 
and they're getting paid mm. more than minimum wage. But so it's like contract positions, I guess, is, is a better way to put it because internships is a bit of a stigma. But I'm doing that as a way to explore, can I take someone, uh, train them um, in this process that's quite unique to us and hope that at the end of their internship, four months from now, they can prove their value in, in turning that into a full-time role because I'll be able to save money by taking um, it away from that freelance cost, if that makes sense. Mm. So that's whereas before when I was looking at internships, it was more just like, oh, I'm too busy. I don't need admin help. You know, can you do, can you do that for me? You know, so I've got it a bit more defined this time. Yeah, it it is an investment, right? It's an investment you make in in time and effort, and hopefully, if if that goes well, then yeah. you'll be rewarded for the for the effort that you put into it. Yeah, as well. and these days, I've obviously the benefit of the fact that there is more of us, so I can I can as a team we can all train them. Whereas before, when I was first doing it, it was just me or nothing, and 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 it wasn't fair on that that person. Nice. Yeah, I mean, how did that sort of uh, growth curve start to look over time? How fast did you scale up? So there was by the end of year one there was um, two of us, mm-hmm. and then by the end of year two there was uh, five of us. So I seem to have so far um, done kind of uh, new hires in batches. So the three people we hired um, last year they were all met within a fairly short time of each other because it's just started to make sense, <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. So um, the first hire was in the form of we wanted someone to look after. So we were, I was promoting my first hire internally and we wanted someone to replace her in that role, basically. And, you know, we'd learned lessons of where things had gone wrong with internships and apprenticeships. And we'd, we'd, we'd hired someone who had some experience in SEL content. So they were a graduate um, that had because they'd done an, they had done an apprenticeship for a year before. And we found that it worked out quite well. And then because of the fact that there was now three of us, there was a lot more managerial time of clients. So I, I was like, okay, I need to bring someone else. So I brought on someone I'd worked with for two and a half years. He's a really instrumental part in the, in the business now. And then all of a sudden after that, we realized we needed more help. So I think, I think so far, there's been certain times of the year where we've had an influx of new work. I say yes to it because I'm naive and we end up being really, really busy. And then I end up solving the problem temporarily with freelance work and then hiring it back in. Mm-hmm. And then this year, it's been more... Again, same similar thing. We've had growth with new clients and I decided first to look at how we can use freelance resource to help us with that because a lot of the work we're doing didn't really have a guaranteed long-term future. And now at the point where it has, I this year it's been more about how can I save money by turning freelance costs into full-time costs and also what areas of the business, if we invested in those and had a full-time person, could it potentially lead to more clients? Mm-hmm. so i guess so it's it's been about three to four hires a year i guess so far mm, that's good progress pretty fast yeah i, I mean i i worry i worry at one signs am i hiring too fast or too slowly like i hear the advice yeah it'd be good to get your take on it i hear, hear the advice that you should always hire slowly but for me it's more i'm, I'm kind of like i kind of break everyone <laughs> and then i promise <laughs> i'll fix it you know? <laughs> yeah i don't think there's there's any hard and set rule for that i think you, you just do what you need to do for the business and what seems right yeah uh, i guess what you shouldn't do is is do something that's unsustainable with yeah with the structure you have in place right so you can't hire too many of the wrong type of people mm. like if you suddenly take on a load of really junior people who require a lot of hand-holding and there's only one manager and that person's you and you've got a thousand other responsibilities and you don't have time to to do the management and directorial duties that, that need to be done for those types of staff yeah that you, you would hire appropriately and get in the, the, the tiers of people of different experience so that you've got a nice sort of downward chain going on as you start to get bigger. 
Yeah, I, I, can, I can agree with that. And I think that's reflective of how we've hired this year. I started off by getting um, a more experienced person who had cut their teeth in content marketing that I knew that if they brought that experience to the table, it would improve our client proposition and it would improve our team. And now we've kind of built a team around that person, if that makes sense, with more mm-hmm. junior people. Because I know that I've got um, him to to train those other junior members and also, there's another person that team who's, who's really talented as well who can kind of benefit off that. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the advice that, you know, you should always look to hire junior people and train them. But now I'm kind of making sure, well, hire an experienced person first who I can then build a team underneath in order so that everyone benefits as a whole. Yeah, I, I prefer that approach as well. I mean, it, it depends on the business and what you do. But I, I mentioned earlier, we're you know, what we do is pretty specialist and, and pretty highly skilled. So the junior people do need quite a bit of management yeah. in order to get all the details right and get everything to the, to the standard that we're happy putting our name to. And as a result, it does take a lot of our time to, to work with them. So any hires we make in the immediate future are definitely going to be more at the senior level so that we can, as we grow further, uh, fill out a more junior level underneath them and, and have that, that's that person in that role who's used to doing that job in a stable way that will allow us to scale more efficiently we think and allow us to do more of that working on the business stuff rather than in it and and doing all the management ourselves yeah definitely agree with that yeah so i mean you guys you guys have got more people than us now so uh you can teach me a few things (laughs) (laughs) maybe i don't know (laughs) (laughs) i'll be interested to know if you if you've had any kind of um teething problems with with that many people staff fitting in sort of uh cultural aspects yeah i i think um people fitting in was was something that that i that was a problem that's it's the things that a lot of this is new to me i mean um and i guess that's one of the most exciting things about starting a business is that you know i'd never been in an environment where i'd seen the very initiation of the business to the growth to, to this kind of point and along the way things have kind of surprised me so when i was first hiring it was very much um skill-based you know so i see how they got the raw talent and i didn't really think about culture to the degree and in the first year that definitely became an issue like I, I didn't i didn't think much about how the personalities needed to lock in together and the importance of that mm-hmm. and i did realize that quite quickly so you know we we, we had a like a couple of uh, we had a kind of a weird eclectic mix of the team at once where um you know one one member of the team had um religious beliefs that came into conflict with the kind of work that we we're doing and that was a situation that I didn't really um, anticipate, for example. But obviously, in, in, when you're in, when you're in marketing, you know, you know, we have client, you know, we we are an extension of that client's team. So that was that was an interesting issue. Um, mm, that's a tricky one. Little things like, um, you know, uh, we have different tastes in food when we go for lunch. So this person wants to go to, you know, <laughs> go for the ten pa- the ten pound uh, lunch, and I want to go down to Tesco's and get my meal deal and. Little things like that infer in personality or just even like uh, what films you like or what TV you like and, uh, you know, how you like to spend your spare, your spare time. And, you know, do people actually get on well together as a team in terms of personality? And that, and I found, you know, I had to kind of figure that out. So now, now in our job applications, you know, we have as a kind of thing that says, you know, if you like Nando's, cups of tea slash coffee and fizzy sweets you're the you're the person that we want and and I, and we use that as a bit of a checklist you know yeah and, that's good yeah and 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 it kind of builds company culture like in, in nando's reflects kind of modesty for me like you you know you like you don't mind a bit of junk food every now and again 
but <laughs> and you, you don't you know and you like stuff that's good value for money you know it's not good for vegetarians though yeah true true they do have good veggie meals I, I i used to have a veggie staff member in an old job and we used to go nana's all the time and she didn't mind but she might have been being polite <laughs> she might have been being polite so i might owe her massive apologies and then when it comes to sweets it's that childlike nature of curiosity that we all have as as creative people and then cups and cups of tea and caffeine i guess it's just about knuckling down and getting getting hard work done sometimes <laughs> and, and dealing with stressful problems you know yeah so culture was something that I didn't realize I'd ever have to think about. And it is it is something that I unfortunately only learn um, as a result of making mistakes. Yeah, it's really important when you're small, I think, to make sure you get that stuff right. I guess the bigger you get, you kind of have little cultural groups forming inside yeah. the team. Uh, but you need to make sure that there's at least someone else you hire will fit into a group of there'll be a nice natural cluster of like four or five people who really get on yeah uh, and yeah you've got to make sure any new people slot into that and don't, don't conflict too much because that, that will cause more problems than it's worth no matter how talented they are yeah d- definitely and you know like i say I, I first started hires by looking at my skills and looking at how i can hire people to reflect each of those skills and I never brought my personality into it. And, you know, the way our interview processes works is first we have a telephone interview, which is very much skill-based. And I'll ask a personality question or two. And then we'll very much the in-person interview bring members of the team in. And we spend a good portion of that interview just trying to get to know them as people. And you can, when you get that kind of chemistry, you know, you can, you can realize that actually they're going to be a, a really valuable asset. Mm-hmm. In terms of um, other problems, um, there's definitely been um, issues with, with, with staff performance. Early this year, I had to go through a really difficult process of, of someone that we hired for a kind of mid-level role. We, you know, we made the decision that, well, basically, I, I felt I had concerns over their performance in terms of, um, the, of them being able to actually fulfill the job spec and responsibilities. And, and it was kind of a new situation for me because... You know, I felt like, well, what, what do I kind of do in order to, you know, do I do I cut the cord or do I invest time in training and developing this person to fulfill that gap? So I guess a simple way mm-hmm. to explain it is we hired someone that um, we, we thought had kind of two, three years experience and we were giving them responsibilities that fit that. But then it turned out actually their experience, although they've been doing the job role for that long in previous roles, their experience was actually someone where in my previous roles, it was someone I'd expect to know about a year after a year. So I had to kind of think, you know, what what do I do in this scenario? Yeah, that's tricky. You've got to really stay on top of regular appraisals and performance reviews and setting targets and goals and yeah. constantly checking in on those. I mean, it's a lot of work. That's, that's why, you know, eventually you need someone to, to run HR and do these things for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As a process, we have kind of personal development plans for people in place, but I actually had to, so a good friend of mine is um, actually a HR consultant and I kind of had to go, what, what's... You know, how do I deal with these different sides of the coin? And, and you know, we decided to do a, um, a training plan where we, we kind of, I assess the person and they assess themselves in terms of these are the list of skills and software and processes that I have and they kind of self-assess each one. And then we um, developed a system of writing training for it. And, and unfortunately, the performance didn't improve both in terms of the skill set and also their attitude to work. And I made the decision to not allow them to, to pass their probation. And that for me was a really like emotional experience because, you know, you know, I realized that I'm not ever going to be, you know, someone's best friend in these businesses. I'm not going to be like David Brent and trying to make friends with everyone. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be a dick, you know, and it's, and it's, I found it really hard to actually have to, to, to professionally 
say we've had regular meetings we've had regular appraisal we laid out the training you need it's been two months since that time and we feel that you're still not meeting that specification and as a result of that we made the decision to not to not continue past your probation and that was basically the kind of conversation we have and it ended on you know it did end on i mean you can't say a breakup is mutual it's never mutual but it ended up in a profession level okay and i think it the other person, you know, it just went on now to another full-time role and, you know, and I, I hear they're doing great, but it was, it was something that was quite difficult for me in terms of having to deal with at the time. Yeah, I've, I've had to go through something similar as well, not because of performance, it was more our mistake for, for creating a role. We came to realise the business didn't need, but yeah, it's not a nice thing to go through at all. Yeah. Avoid it at any costs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'd say they're the, the, main, the main issues. So uh, are you the only manager of sorts in in the business? You're the only director, right? So I'm I'm the only um, shareholder. So it's um but essentially I have an operations manager basically. So the way the way that the 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 team is set up is it's uh, myself as director and then we have the operations manager who who um looks at all of our clients and decides which team's going to work on which projects and handles new business as well. And then, then we have two teams. We have an SEO team and a content team, basically. And then there's there's a person who's the lead in each of those. Also means you get to go on holiday occasionally. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it does. I mean, my my in my first year, I, I had pre-booked a two year a two week trip to Japan, and throughout the whole time, I was just constantly calling back at the office, just checking in. I couldn't sleep and I couldn't enjoy the break. Mm. But then, um, I recently I just came back off a two week holiday to, to San Francisco and. You know, I was like, guys, contact me anytime. Don't worry about it. And they didn't even want to speak to me. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, <laughs> why are they calling? You know, I'm <laughs> this isn't right. And it was, it was, it was fantastic to come back. It was, it was a nice validation of after doing this for two and a half years, you know, like the blood, sweat and tears that I could go away for a period of time and, and, and things will run smoothly. I mean, you know, I, I heard in the wind that my, my ops manager was on the verge of having a bit, a bit of a breakdown, but he didn't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it seems all right now. And, you know, they did a stellar job as a team coming together. And it was, it was a nice, it was a nice thing to see that, you know, I think building a team to a point where it's operational is, 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 is a good thing. And I'm happy that I've got that now. I still think my role is very much in the strategic element. I'm still the one pushing us in new directions and changing what we do and improving what we do. But, yeah, it's, mm. it's 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 nice to see that you know it can run. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is vital to be able to to know that that if if you do need to step away for some reason, that the business will continue. Yeah, definitely. I rely entirely on my co-founder for that. Yeah, fair <laughs> Neil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means we can't go away at the same time or do anything for long periods of time together. Yeah, which is a shame because we do like to cycle and things like that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Well, we have a little bit of that too. I, you know, it, I, I make it so that either my, myself or Ian, who's our operator, we don't try and go on holiday at the same time. You know. But. Yeah, we even try to book our our big holidays at the opposite ends of the year. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> it's just a little bit easier that way. Yeah, I know. Fair enough. Just space them out as much as possible because yeah, it does does cause a bit of stress for the other and the less chaos and, and handover that happens in between the better yeah it's, it's one of the the, the perks and, and and not perks of, of, of having your own company the ability to go on holiday whenever you want but the paranoia of doing it you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah well, what's next i guess i mean what, what's what's next on the cards have you got any plans to hire any more in the short term and, and where do you see this this hiring trend going 
Um, at the moment, you know, I am, I am, we are currently advertising for a role. So my plan is to be hopefully 10 by the end of the year, but that as a result is, is functioned an office move. So that was a problem that I didn't anticipate. Um, that as I get more people, I'm going to have to get more space for them. So that, that's one mm-hmm. problem that we're looking at at the moment, basically, that I didn't really fully think through, if I'm being honest. Who are you looking to hire now? So, um, it's again, as a reflection of that, we do, we do a lot of web development work um at the moment um so we have in-house designers but we have to pass that out to freelance web developers and we it just you know both in terms of you know we 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 as a company have the ambition to do better and better work and it's hit the point where the cost of freelancing it versus actually bringing someone in we're kind of exploring you know is that better so it's a role we've been advertising for i've been massively struggling to find um candidates that fit our uniqueness like we do a lot of short-term projects that you work on for five days then you close and you go off and they're not websites they're all um like quizzes calculators or games and little micro projects little micro projects and also it takes a certain kind of mindset in order to enjoy that kind of work and also to be able to deal with that differently i feel like with that you've got to get into that from when you first line your design and development skills so you know, if you've been doing WordPress websites for years, for example, I feel like maybe as a mentality, it can be quite hard to shift to, to just working with raw code and no and no frameworks or no platforms or no CMSs. You know, so mm-hmm. that's one of the the problems that we've we've had with with that really. And 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 also, it's it's actually an interesting with that. That one's definitely where we can find sometimes the skills, but the culture fit is a big is a big kind of problem. If that sounds appealing to anyone out there, we'll we'll put a, a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to apply for that role. Yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, that's that's immediate problems. Um, you know, planning the Christmas party is interesting as well. I guess that's the other thing we're looking at. But um, oh man, you're organised. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I can't. This is the thing. That's where you have a team now. It's like the culture is. You know, they they love going out and having a drink. You know, something to eat. So like Christmas party was like discussed at like September. So. Yeah, that is organised. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, but then I guess I get sorry, but the, to answer your actual question in terms of um, where we're going, I mean, one of the things it's a bit. I'm quite an emotional business director. Maybe maybe all is is that you know I, I was only in this to be the best at it, basically. So one of the things that we've been trying to do is 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 build it to be the best you know SEO slash content marketing agency in the country. First, that's the kind of aim. And I've tried to validate that a bit this year. We've submitted ourselves for five awards. Um, I see you won one, maybe more than one. No, no, we've, we've been shortlisted at the minute. So we've been... Oh, okay. Sorry, shortlisted. No, it's all right. Um, <laughs> so um, we submitted for five and three so far revealed their shortlist and we've got on each one. So, you know, I'm, oh. I'm hoping that that's one way to, to emotionally validate that things are going well mm. and they get an award to show for it, which is, which is, which is quite nice. And and then what that means in terms of people, you know, I've kind of when I was on holiday, you know, I kind of drawn out a kind of organization chart for, for next year, which is hopefully getting getting to a point where we have a full service. We have an SEO team so at the minute. It's just one full time person and a bit of me and a bit of Ian. And we have our content team. That's pretty well established. And also we look to get into more CRO based analytics based work. A lot of what we do at the minute is um, our revenue at the moment is kind of 40% SEO and about 60% content. We've seen a huge growth in that area of the business, primarily because digital marketing teams, um, they don't have a lot of content resource at the minute. But mm. a lot of the reasons why these content teams are doing it is for the purposes of earning links online, which is a massively important part of SEO. The more links you have and the quality and quantity of them really influences your um, presence in on Google. 
And my, my fear is is that um, at some I'm not fear, I think it will happen at some point. Google's going to switch that off. Google's not going to count links in their algorithm anymore. So I need a business that's diversified, basically, so that we're not just, cla- we're not just um, looking at that and we're looking at things that I think are growing in importance. So more brands are investing in conversion rate optimization-based work and also analytics work to get a true understanding of their performance. We've got the raw talent in the business of that at the minute. I want to spin that out as a product so that we have... Um, Three teams basically so hopefully 15 people fingers crossed this time next year offering that and we've validated us as the best agency and then um you know and then the year after that grow to about 25 and i think that's as much as i want it to be at the minute in terms of a, a uk operation and then beyond there um ideally we'd like to set up little kaizens in different countries of the world or we acquire little kaizens and we you know acquire businesses and turn them into little kaizens that would be the idea really so crikey you're an entrepreneurial chap well that's the idea i mean you know we'll see how that goes my you know my my you know i feel like if i have a vision and i work towards it it helps me um Mm, that's fantastic and then and then the other element is um we want to start looking at technology so a lot of um, marketing agencies the minute are very reliant on their tools and software Mm. and a lot of that is third-party software so and the elements within seo and in content marketing where i feel there's still gaps for good proprietary tools so we're going to look at the processes we have within our business and see if we can develop tools or software ourselves to automate those processes so it saves us time it saves us money and maybe you know if we do those experiment as experimental little projects maybe we'll hit one good thing and we could maybe spin it off into something i don't know but yeah there you go. I've revealed all my cards to you now. <laughs> I'm going to hold you to that, Pete. I've just yeah. written all these things down, and I'm going to check back oh, in, in a year's time and see how many you've uh, managed to achieve. Probably one of them. Well, that's that's great. <laughs> I know, I know, but as, as a business owner, like I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit ambitious sometimes, and I don't realise times things take. If that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. like this year, I said to the gang, "We're going to have a proper sales and marketing plan. You're going to do blog posts. You're going to do emails. You're going to look after an event. We're going to do." You're going to look after webinars. And then we've done about 30% of those things. And out of the 30%, we're probably only doing one or two of them a really good job of because I have this habit of wanting to do everything and not focusing sometimes. But mm. Sounds like a topic for another time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, uh, yeah, just to close off, any any advice you give to anyone who's, who's looking to grow their agency from from a couple of people up? What, what's the If you were going to do it all again, what would you do differently? I, I think um, I would have started by having a clear business plan for the first couple of years. I, I went into it as, oh, hey, I do this full time at the minute. You know, I, I could just, uh, you know, just quit my job and just do the same thing and get paid more money for it. I didn't really go in with any kind of idea of what I wanted it to be. And I, I regret that because I, I didn't really figure that out until the second year. And as a result, the first year, you know, that affected my performance, that affected the team. So I guess. I, I would sit down and think about, you know, what's my one year, three year, five plan, five year plan, whether that's you want to be the biggest, you want to be the best at it, whether you want to sell it or whether you want to acquire it. I think that helps free the mind and then lets you draw up a plan to do that. And mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing that, that helped me that, you know, in, in my second year of a business, I kind of drew out what my kind of one year, three year, five year plan is and evaluated why am I actually doing this? You know, what's in it for me? What do I want to get out of this? You know, ideally, my, my ideal lifestyle would be sitting at home playing PlayStation all day, you know? It's still, <laughs> it might be my business, but it's still a job, you know? So I had to think about 
what do I want my life to look like one, three, five years from now? And how can my business help me get there? So I kind of wrote list, a list of things that, that I want to achieve in my life in the next five years and then think maybe help me clarify about how I could achieve that with my business. And when I did that, it made me feel 10 times happier about having a business. And I, I wish I did it sooner. Nice. That's, are you doing that with your mentor? Yeah, yeah. So I, so I have a, um, a business mentor that we, we see once a quarter and, and having a business mentor, definitely that, that is something, again, I wish I had sooner. That definitely helped me have someone else that I could, I could be confidential to and, and tell them. This is the thing when you run a business and you have a team, you have to give this perception of this om, om, omnipotent leader and everything's perfect mm. and everything's going <laughs> great, guys. But actually, you know, r- running a business is very emotionally tough. And I, 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 I find it very tough to run a business. It's stressful sometimes. And sometimes you need some people who have been there, done it and cut their teeth that you can confide in. And they can turn around to you and go, yeah, yeah, you know what? Running a business is pretty rubbish sometimes, you know? <laughs> and you can't, but you just can't admit those things to your team sometimes, you know? So I think having a business mentor has definitely helped me bring that all into perspective. Yeah, we'd agree. Uh, we've gone through that as well. And yeah, a lot of things you were just saying is, uh, it sounds like it's a pretty common set of uh, processes to go through with a mentor to try and, you know, really help focus you down on what it is you, sh- you should be doing. Mm, definitely. Well, thanks for coming on, mate. That's all right. Thanks for having me. Sorry if I rambled on too long, <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a pleasure. It's uh, not often I get to talk about everything in in hindsight, and it's, it's it's nice to do it. Well, if our listeners want to find out more about you or Kaizen, where can they do that? Easiest way is probably to, to follow me on Twitter, I guess. So my mine is just at Pete Campbell, and you can also visit our website at kaizensearch.co.uk, which is full of resources and blog posts and tweets about us going to escape rooms and eating, eating Nando's, basically. So. Fantastic. And thanks everyone for listening. I've been John Dark at Doctor on Twitter from Every Interaction. You can find us online at everyinteraction.com. Uh, if you'd like to contact us about this episode or find any of our past episodes, you can do so on our website at perspective.fm or just send us an email directly on get at perspective.fm. Uh, we're on Twitter too, underscore perspective.fm. You can find us on iTunes. Uh, we always appreciate ratings and reviews. You might leave us there. So Do that, tweet about the show, share it on Facebook, tell your friends. Everything helps. We're easy to find in your podcast app of choice. Just search for Perspective FM in Google Music, Apple Podcasts app, Overcast, Pocket Casts, whatever you like to use. All the links are on the website along with the show notes for this episode. Thanks everyone and we'll see you next time.